Well, welcome to Northridge on this Father's Day. We're so glad that you guys are here. Uh, if it's your first time, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome to you as our first time guest today. Um, we, I want to start by showing you uh, a few pictures. And I want to see if you guys kind of recognize this. Take a look at these and see if you recognize where this is. Go ahead and show them the first one. Anybody know what that is? Anybody know what that, where that is or what that is? Great Wall, that's right. There's a Great Wall of China. It uh, goes uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles all the way across. An amazing place. Next one, let's go to the next one. This is maybe a little more difficult. doesn't exist anymore. Anybody know what this, where this might have been? Anybody? The Berlin Wall, that's right. It's the Berlin Wall. doesn't exist, thankfully, anymore. Uh, but this was the Berlin Wall as it looked. It had that stretch. It actually had, there were several walls in the Berlin Wall. Uh, but that's what the Berlin Wall was. And then this one is going to be hard. Uh, if we've got a couple of history buffs, we might know what this wall is. Because this just looks like a pasture. Uh, but this is actually a historical wall. Anybody know what this wall might be? There you go. Hey, we got a couple people. Both of you knew it. There were two people in here. Got it. Uh, This is Hadrian's Wall in the UK. This was actually built by the Romans during the Roman Empire to keep invaders out. But have you ever noticed one of the primary purposes of a wall? What is one of the primary purposes of a wall? It is to keep people out or to keep people in, isn't it? It's a barrier. It's a restrictive kind of a thing. It's, it's to keep people out or to keep people in. For example, the, the uh, Great Wall of China was to keep invaders out of China during a certain period of history. Uh, Hadrian's Wall was to keep invaders out. Um, we showed you the uh, Berlin Wall. That was to keep people in. It's, it's a controlling thing. Why do we have walls in our houses? It's to keep the weather out or to keep would-be people who like our TVs or stuff too much out. <laughs> Right? That's what we do. Walls restrict. They keep things out or they keep things in. They're restrictive. And, and if you think about the opposite of a wall, you could maybe think of a field, but maybe think of it a little bit differently. Maybe the opposite would be a bridge. I want to show you three famous bridges. If you guess, take a look at this one. What, what bridge is that? Golden Gate, yeah, one of the, maybe the most famous bridge in the world. I mean, it's just telltale. Everybody looks at it and see that. Um, this next one might be a little harder. Tell me if you see, think you know where this is at. <clears throat> Australia, yeah, Sydney kind of gives it away. The opera house, you can see it on the left there that look, made, it was made to look like sails in the harbor. This is called the Sydney Harbor Bridge. I'd seen pictures of it. I didn't know what it was called. It's called the Sydney Harbor Bridge. And then there's uh, one more I want to show you. This one is actually, uh, anybody know what this is? This is in France. It's the tallest bridge in the world, actually. I've seen pictures of it. I didn't know. It's called the Mayu Viaduct in France. And that second pier there uh, on the other side is, this, is the tallest bridge in the world, makes it the tallest bridge in the world, the Mayu Viaduct. If you think about bridges in relation to walls, bridges are very different, aren't they? What do bridges do? Bridges connect. They link one place to another. They link one group of people to another group of people on the earth. They span barriers. If you think about that, that valley, that would be quite the obstacle without that bridge there, which is why they built it. All right? They link things together. They connect pieces. They connect people. They connect pieces of land. Bridges are connectors. Walls restrict their barriers. 
Okay? We're in the middle of this AD series, and uh, actually we're not in the middle. We're at the very last of it. This is it. We're done with AD. It's sad to see the AD series go. This has been a longer one, 12 weeks long, longer than we normally do series. Uh, but we're at the very end. Today is the last one, and we're talking about bridges today. What we've been doing is we're taking all the events and the workings of God that happened with the believers in Jesus, right after Jesus ascended to heaven, right after he left earth, and he left the believers to share the love of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world. And so we've been looking at all the events, all the workings, all the stories that have been happening with the first believers in Jesus after he left earth. And so we're looking at all that stuff. Today, it's very relevant uh, that it's Father's Day because we are taking a look at two very courageous men Two men who decided to build bridges instead of allow the walls to keep them apart, to keep their groups of people apart. These are two men that took some very significant risks in order to build bridges over traditional or past barriers that had kept them separate, that had kept them divided. And so today we're going to focus on two guys. The first guy is Cornelius, and the second guy is the Apostle Peter. Cornelius and Peter. Cornelius, I found, is hard to say sometimes. Um, but anyway, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll work with it. So what we're going to do is, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible or on your phone or whatever, uh, whatever you use for your Bible, Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Acts chapter 10. Um, and, and we're going to just talk about this in just a minute. Um, but Cornelius, we're going to talk about Cornelius first, and we're going to talk about Peter. All right, so follow along with me. Uh, verse 1, 1 through 8. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer. officer. <laughs> Did you hear that? See, Cornelius has got me messed up. I've done that several times this week. Ossifer. Hello, Ossifer. A Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as so was everyone, uh, and was captain of the Italian regiment, so was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. This is just telling you, he's not a Christ follower yet, because he doesn't know about Jesus, but he fears God. He believes in God. So you can see he's kind of, he's got that, that faith there, but he doesn't know about Jesus yet. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which an angel, he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. I would, I would be scared too. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So Cornelius gets this vision from God in which he asks Cornelius to send these guys to another town called Joppa, which is 30 miles away. We're going to learn about that in a minute. He sends these, to these guys. He's supposed to send them there and find this guy named Peter because Peter needs to come and talk to Cornelius. Cornelius has no idea why. He doesn't know what's going on. He just has this angel show up and say, hey, dude. And he's like, whoa, kind of scared a little bit. And he, he calls him sir because he doesn't know what else to do. He's like, I don't know what this angel is. And he says, I need you to send some guys to Joppa to find this guy named Peter and bring him back. And so he does it right away. But what I want to focus on in this first eight verses is the first barrier that Cornelius and Peter are going to have to get over. They're going to have to bridge it in order to do what God wants them to do. But there's a barrier that we need to talk about. 
And this is a barrier that you and I, we all have to deal with. It's called the personal barrier. The personal barrier. Cornelius, did you notice, is a Roman army officer. In fact, if you read the original Greek, when it was written in Greek originally, the original Greek word calls him a centurion. Have you heard that term before in, in, in regards to Roman army officers? Okay, a centurion was very simple. A centurion led a hundred men. Okay, that's why they called him a centurion. Century 100. He was a centurion. So literally, this, this translation says he was captain in the Italian regiment. He was a centurion, so he led a hundred men. He was basically an officer over a company of soldiers that would have equated to about a hundred men. So he's very well known. He's fairly prestigious. He probably would have been fairly wealthy, but he is a Roman officer. Why is this important at all? Well, it's really important because the guy that God asked him to go get is a Jewish man. Okay? Cornelius and Peter are personal enemies. Hey, every person. Now, we don't get this because I don't know about you, but I, I don't hate any Romans right now. Right. I just don't have much against them. I love studying them, but I don't have anything against them. Why? Because they haven't done anything to us. Right. The Jewish people, they were conquered by the Romans. They controlled them. They controlled what they could do. They controlled what they didn't do. They told them what they could do, what they couldn't do, what laws they had, what laws they couldn't have, when they could worship, all these kind of things. Now, they allowed them quite a bit of freedom. They were actually pretty good conquerors, relatively speaking, but they were still conquerors. Romans and the Jewish people were personal enemies. So Cornelius now is an officer in the Roman army. See where this can go? He is directly responsible for controlling Peter's people. And so they are personal enemies. They have a personal barrier. And you and I, we have personal barriers, but it's not the Romans. Like I said, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard of many people. Oh, I can't stand those Romans. I haven't heard that lately. No, not lately. Right. But we all have personal barriers, don't we? We do have personal barriers. It's not the Romans like this story, like their personal barrier. It's very different. That was very real for them. But what's real for us? Personal barriers for us might be, might be that parent or that family who yelled at your kid uh, last year at the soccer game. We've talked about this before, haven't we? I'm getting real, I know, but that's the truth. Romans are not nothing to us, but that family, I don't know if you have them in your mind, that family that yelled at my kid last year at the soccer game, and you have that bad taste when you see them, you know when you see them that there's a personal barrier because you know how you feel. Right? The taste in your mouth is like, nom, 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 nom. right? You don't even have to tell anybody. You just know it's there. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't like that family. Yelled at my kid last year. He was doing fine. <laughs> Personal barrier. If it affects how you treat that person or how you look at that person or how you talk to that person or whether or not you talk to that person, let me tell you, it's a personal barrier. And this is what they had to deal with. It could be, uh, personal barriers could be all kinds of things. It could be organizations that did something to you in a community. It could be a a group of people that that treated you a certain way a long time ago. There are personal barriers. It could be hurts. It could be just a feeling you get. It could be just you don't get along with them. (laughs) Personal barriers are everywhere for us, aren't they? We know that they're real. We just don't talk about them a lot because they're uncomfortable to bring up. But personal barriers exist. And if we are going to get over the things and do what God wants us to do, sometimes we have to cross that barrier. We have to build a bridge where we're not sure if we want a bridge. 
All right, so let's move on. So Cornelius has this vision. He sends them in to Joppa, and they have to find Peter. So now let's jump to Peter's side of the story. Verse 9, we're jumping right in. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. They all had flat roofs back then. This is normal. Okay? It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He's going to see a vision as well. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Strange vision, right? I don't know about you, but I, I haven't had one like this before. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. That was a little bit of a spiritual check. Did you catch that from God? Uh, Hold on. I called it clean. Don't say it's unclean. I'm God, remember? (laughs) That was just kind of a little, hold on there, Peter. And he goes in. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. That's a spiritual check. The same vision was repeated three times. You know why it was repeated three times? It wasn't because Peter, well, it could have been because Peter was not, it was a little thick-headed. But it, but it was mostly because he needed Peter to understand this was not because you had something, something funky for breakfast. Right? God needed him to know this is real and this is really, really important. So it happens three times for Peter. God wanted to make sure Peter knew what it was, had seen it, and was not mistaking this for something else. This is God speaking to you. So it happens three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed, which means he had no idea what just happened. (laughs) He's like, I don't know what I just saw, but that was weird. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. So the gist is this. Cornelius gets this vision. He sends them in. The men arrive at the house just as Peter has had the same vision three times of this sheet that all these animals are in. And God says, hey, you need to eat some of those animals. Strange vision. Peter's going, this is weird. But what's weird is not that this vision was weird, that there was a sheet and there was a bunch of animals in it. That's not what's weird to Peter. Peter doesn't understand because you have to understand what God is telling him to do is something that has been forbidden in the Old Testament for a long time, for literally thousands of years. Leviticus 11 says you cannot eat or touch these certain types of animals. Peter has lived according to that. His his grandfathers and great, 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 great grandfathers have lived according to this. And their generations before that had lived according to this. God is telling Peter to do something that Peter has learned his whole life and has been learned for thousands of years. You're not supposed to do. God, Peter must have been thinking, God, are you asking me to sin? Now, I want to take a step, side nap, just so that we're abundantly clear. God is not asking Peter to sin. God does not ask anybody to sin. God cannot do that. He's perfect. He cannot ask people to sin. God is not asking Peter to sin. Peter just doesn't realize that this particular stuff is no longer sin for him now that he's under Christ. Okay? Peter's beginning to learn that, but God is planting a seed of an idea to let Peter know, hey, Christ supersedes all of your known traditions and customs and all that kind of stuff. Jesus supersedes all of that. 
He's going to be building a bridge over the top of some of these barriers that you've known in the past. And so he's planting that seed for Peter. Peter doesn't fully understand it yet, but he will. All right, so the vision that this happens and the men show up and they talk to Peter and Peter's like, wow, this is amazing. I just had a vision about this. And they say, yeah, that's why we're here to get you. And so Peter says, okay, let me pack my things. He packs his things and they take off and they head back up to Caesarea. So we're going to skip over a few verses and understand. Let me just show you a map. This is 30 miles. It's on the coast of the sea there. Um, So it goes from Joppa. That's where Peter was all the way up to Caesarea. It's 30 miles. So this would have taken probably a day and a half for them to make this journey one way. All right, so it took a day and a half for them to get down there. They arrive the next day when Peter has this vision. Peter has the vision. He meets the guys. They're like, hey, let's go back. So now they're headed back up to Caesarea. And now we're going to pick up the story where they're back in Caesarea at Cornelius's house. Let's find out what happens there. Verses 24 through 29. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them at his house and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. Peter's saying, I'm not God. Just because the vision was about me doesn't mean you're worshipping me. (laughs) I am just Peter. So he kind of wanted to set the story straight right away. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of any as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now, tell me why you sent for me. In other words, tell me your side of the story. So they get up there. And, and, the, uh, and the ante has been upped because Peter, he thinks he's going to meet with Cornelius. Did you notice what Cornelius did? Cornelius knows this is a big deal. Whatever's going to happen, God sent an angel. I saw this vision. Something big is going to happen. And so what does Cornelius do? This must have been quite the deal for Peter, right? He thinks he's going to go in and meet Cornelius. Well, he meets Cornelius, but Cornelius has invited his entire family. He's like, come on, guys. I need you to come over. I don't know what's going to happen, but you need to come to my house. This guy named Peter is going to come and he's going to talk to us. It's going to be amazing. And so he invites all of his family and he invites some of his close friends. So Peter walks in and there's, it's like a family reunion. And Peter's like, oh boy, now I'm going to talk to a lot more people than just this one guy named Cornelius. And so he gets in there and he, the first thing, I would not suggest what doing what Peter does. (laughs) All right. But, but Peter walks in and the first thing he says is, you know, really, I'm forbidden to even be here in this house. I'm not even supposed to be in here with you guys. I mean, that's the first thing he says. He walks in. He's like, I am forbidden from being in your home because you're a Gentile. You're a non-Jewish person. (laughs) Talk about racial problems. Talk about ethnic background issues. Okay, but that's what Peter says. He says, I am forbidden from doing this. But what God has told me, this is really cool. He tells him the second barrier. What is it? It's a cultural barrier. A cultural barrier. It's a barrier that's been set up By their culture, the Jewish people were not allowed to go into a Gentile home because they knew they would probably serve food of unclean animals. You see the connection now? God says you can have these animals. Now that you're under Christ, it's okay to have these animals. And here's why. Because I'm going to build a bridge between your people and anybody who is non-Jewish because this whole wall thing that you built is unnecessary. It's wrong. It should not even be there. 
God is beginning to build a bridge. And he has this cultural barrier. And he says, I'm not even supposed to be here, but you know what? God has started to reveal to me that I can be in your home and that I can share a meal with you and that it's okay. Understand, this is a big deal. I want you to think about if you have traditions or things that you think you have, you definitely cannot do because of a group of people or because of a certain way of operation or, or certain things that, that people are. And, and all of a sudden God says, nope, I need you to do this. And Peter now has gone in one, in about two days, has gone from this is the way it's been for thousands of years to now he's having a meal. He's staying in a Gentile household and sharing about the love of Jesus. This must have been just rocking Peter's mind, all right? I mean, everything is flipped upside down in this cultural barrier. I mean, we know that this is true. We know that we don't only have personal barriers in in our lives and in our culture, right? We know that. I mean, we just heard about the shooting in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Completely race-motivated. It was simply because he hates somebody of a certain color. Are you kidding me? We don't talk about this out loud. We don't talk about it from up front because we don't like to hear about it. You know why? Because it makes us look ugly. That's why we don't talk about it. Bridges building over cultural barriers that we all know are there, but we don't tend to talk about. We're willing to watch on the news, but we're not willing to maybe do something about it. This is what God is doing. He's beginning to tear down the walls between the Jewish people and the Gentiles, which Gentiles is, is just a strange word to say anybody who's not a Jewish person. Okay? Peter's a Jewish man, and he says, I'm not supposed to be in here, but God has showed me that this is okay and good. He has torn down this wall. He's tearing down this cultural barrier. And the question is, what is it that divides us? Think about the things that divide our culture, that divide us from other people, from other groups. Whether it could be race, it could be ethnic background, it could be social status. I think social status divides us more than maybe even some ethnic backgrounds, honestly. I think lack of social status, where we live, who we live with, all those kind of things, that that defines us and so it creates barriers. Uh, Here's here's a hot-button word, politics. (laughs) Do politics divide us? (laughs) Oh, boy. Politics are so divisive. It's a cultural thing. We have very strong things in our culture that divide us. And they put up walls. and, And so we say, I am this or I am this above all else. And we put up a wall. And we say, oh, if you're that, then I'm here. This is my wall then. Stay on that side of it. Oh, you're that social status. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you're too good for me. Wall. Or you're not good enough for me. Wall. And we put them up. And we all know they're not. The problem is, of course, well, we'll get into that in a minute. The, the problem is that those barriers are there and we have to build bridges across them. Now, this is what happens. So Cornelius tells Peter, he says, OK, this is why I sent for you. And Peter says, well, this is why I'm here. I saw this vision and God said we need to build a bridge here. And Cornelius says, yep, I agree. I saw a similar vision. That's why he called. We called you. And so they begin to 
we come together over this bridge. And then Peter says this, after he heals, hears Cornelius' side of the story and the angel that was sent to him, this is what Peter says, verses 34 and 35. Then Peter replied, after Cornelius, he heard Cornelius' story, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Oh boy, there's a line. If we could just learn some scripture right there, done. That could help a lot of things right now. One line. God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. In other words, what are we talking about? God wants to break down barriers, not build them. God sent Jesus so that everyone would have an opportunity to accept him. Now, here's the deal. If people feel judged by God, that's not because God has judged them. It's simply because they are not accepting of God accepting them. It's the truth. God wants to build bridges with every person. God's desire is not that anybody would perish that anybody would have troubles with these things, but that everyone would have eternal, everlasting life with him. That's why Jesus was sent. And so Peter says it out loud in front of Cornelius and his entire family and all of his best friends. Hey, God shows no favoritism. I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. This is an amazing occasion. That's what Peter is saying. This is historic. A Jewish man and a Roman army officer together Talking about Jesus. This is amazing. And so that's what Peter does. Of course, Peter does this. You know, we've talked about Peter a lot. Peter goes into, what does he start doing? He says, okay, I've got a captive audience. And so he says, let me tell you about why I think we're both here. I think we're both here because there's a bridge being built. And the bridge, his name is Jesus. And let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he loves you completely, unconditionally. And he starts telling them about Jesus and he goes into this. And while Peter's talking, I want to read this. While Peter's talking, let's go to verse 44 through 48. And this is what happens when Peter's talking. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message to Peter talking about Jesus. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. What is that saying? That's saying the Jewish people that came with Peter, they can't believe that Gentiles are now receiving the gift of God. (laughs) They're going, I didn't know that could happen. Gentiles? A Roman? They just accepted Jesus? And they can have the power of the Holy Spirit? I thought this was like for the Jewish people only. No, this is for Romans. Are you kidding? They're like the enemy of the enemy. They're amazed. They can't believe this. God is accepting them because they are accepting God. Unbelievable. They're blowing their minds. That's what's going on here. For they heard them speaking in other tongues or in other languages and praising God. Then Peter asked, Peter's trying to wrap his brain around this. Listen to this question. Uh, Can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did, or now that they've accepted Jesus. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Peter's going to stay for several days in this home that two days ago, he was not even allowed to approach. (laughs) Oh, that's big stuff. 
And Peter, he asks, he sees that the Holy Spirit has come upon Cornelius and his family and their friends. What does that mean? Because they had accepted Jesus. They believed what Peter was saying. And they began to commit their lives to Jesus. And they said, we're going to be Christ followers from here on out. We're going to be Christians from here on out. And, 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 and so Peter looks around. He's like, uh, I don't know about you. He looks to his Jewish friends and he's like, uh, I don't know if you guys are seeing what I'm seeing, but are, are you cool baptizing them? Because I think we're supposed to. It looks like they become followers of Christ. I, I'm pretty sure. I know it doesn't make sense to us right now, but it looks like that's what's going on here. And Peter says, are you cool if we baptize them? And they're like, well, yeah, <laughs> we can't argue with God. And so they baptize him and they become followers of Christ. And what happens? What happens is unity is established. Unity that was never there before. The power of God is unleashed in that, house, in that house, in that home, between a f- bunch of fellow Jewish believers and Gentiles who have just now, just right now, have become believers. And now what has happened? They have now created a bridge through Jesus that links them together forever. There are now no longer walls. Now, Let's be honest, okay? Let's real honest here. If I were to go in at that moment or, or say the next day, <laughs> let things kind of simmer a bit, go in the next day and I say, hey, uh, Cornelius and Peter, let's sit down. Let's have an interview. Um, how do you feel about how the Romans are doing in, in subjugating you? How do you feel about that? My guess is Peter would have some strong words. <laughs> I think he would probably have some things to say about the Romans. And I don't think that they would completely agree. But here's the deal. When I said, but how do you, how do you think about Cornelius? How do you feel about Cornelius? Oh, we're, we're, we need to love him. And, and I do, I'm beginning to love him. And, and he accepted Jesus and, and we baptized him and we're unified over that. In other words, they may disagree politically. They may disagree culturally. But now they are unified around Jesus Christ. There's a bridge that has been built that supersedes everything else. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something that maybe our world maybe needs to hear? A bridge that can transcend the differences that we have? This is exactly what happened. A Roman and and a Jewish man sharing a meal together and celebrating Christ in the same home. It's hard to fathom this, but this is, this is what was going on. Now, to wrap up this, I just want to make something uh, clear or ask a question to kind of help clarify. We've talked a lot about walls and bridges. Have you noticed where barriers exist? Have you noticed where they exist? They exist in here. They exist in our heart. They exist up here. They exist in our mind. They exist within us. We've created the barriers. The problem with these kind of barriers, you know what the main problem is with these kind of barriers? We can't see them with our eyes. I can show you pictures of the Great Wall of China. I can show you Hadrian's Wall, which I get excited about because I'm a history geek. What are you going to do? Right? I can show you pictures of the Berlin Wall that has now been torn down. Awesome. I can show you pictures of those walls. Those are walls that exist. But the problem with these barriers that we're talking about, 
we don't feel like they're real because we don't actually see them with our eyes. Let me tell you, they're more real than most walls than I can put a picture of. They're more real. They're just not as physically real to our eyes. That's all. The, the walls that we've built are in here and in here. And they go against people. And here's the deal. Depending on where we live, depending on who we know, depending on what we've been taught by our family, depending on what we've been taught by schools, depending on what we've been taught by our culture, uh, TV, <laughs> you don't realize how much TV teaches you. Because we just, I don't know about you, but I know what I do when I watch TV. You know what I do? I turn my brain off. You know, I just watch it. That's why when my wife or my children talk to me while I'm watching TV, they know they better get my head to turn or otherwise I'm not there. Uh, you know. And the, the TV's just pouring information into us and our brain's just sitting there just taking it up. And eventually it becomes real when we come face to face with another person later on. These barriers are real. Let me, let, me, let me help you put this a little bit more close to home, a little more in perspective. Um, so go ahead and put those up there. These are the names of, of neighborhoods in our community. The truth is, we all know, we have connotations that go with these neighborhoods. We don't talk about them out loud in our community because we come across as, I don't know, judgmental or who knows what. We, we'd, we'd show our walls. That's what it is. We'd, we'd, we'd demonstrate people to about our walls. That's what it would be. We don't want people to see our walls. We like them hidden in our heart. And so if we talk about this out loud, it's like, oh, well, there's not really walls, are there? Yeah, there are. We have connotations, good, bad, or ugly. Some people, they say, oh, I would so love to live in that neighborhood because their neighborhood is this and the people there are this. Or I would never live in that neighborhood because of this. Have you heard yourself saying that, thinking that? Other people saying that, thinking that? Yes, I have, and I've only lived here for four years. All right, here's the deal. And by the way, if you don't live in Waukee, you're not immune. (laughs) Everybody in every community that exists in the world knows that there are streets and there are houses and there are neighborhoods that everybody has feelings about. Isn't that true? Personal barriers, cultural barriers. Barriers. We build these walls that are invisible, but they're extremely real. Exceptionally real. I just use Wanakee as an example. Okay, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. This is why I share that. Here's my hope and my dream and my... Um, just this is my, this is my hope and desire. My heart is that we would have the heart of God for our communities. Wanakee or whatever community. We've got a lot of communities represented in here. My hope is that we have the heart of God for people in our community, and I don't mean the ones we like. The ones we like, we already have the heart of God for them. Did you know that? You already have the heart of God. Your family, your friends, well, most of your family, (laughs) most of your friends, uh, (laughs) depending on the day, (laughs) I get it. All right, We, We have the heart of God for them. In fact, the the scripture says, well, good for you for loving them. That doesn't mean a whole lot. (laughs) That's what the scripture says. Did you know that? The Bible says that. It says, good for loving them. Of course you love them because you love them. (sighs) You need to love the people that you don't love. 
That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say it exactly in those words, but that's what it says. You're supposed to love the people you don't love. My hope is that neighborhoods and traditional barriers and walls and and cultural things that we have put up in our minds and in our hearts, that those would be destroyed. We just dynamite those things and they'd be gone. And we begin to build bridges to people, to families, to groups of people, to races, to backgrounds, to social statuses, different social status than yourself, uh, different experiences, different generations. And that those barriers would be gone and the bridges would be built and that we'd be unified around one central thing, which is the love and message of Jesus Christ. I mean that. I've told many people that in this community and all communities, my hope is that we continue to have greater and greater unity centered around Christ and his love for all people. Because that is the hope and desire and heartbeat of God as well. Case in point by this story, isn't it? A bridge that was built. One of the greatest aspects of Jesus is that he becomes a bridge that can span over literally anything, any barrier that exists. And the question for you and I, of course, as you know, I always put it out there. The question for you and I is this. Will you be willing? Are you open to tearing down whatever barriers you have in your heart toward other people. I don't know who they are. I don't know what their names are. I don't know what groups they are. I don't know what organization it is. Whatever it is, are you willing to allow that wall to come down? Are you willing to start tearing it down in your own heart? We can't do that for other people, but we can be an example to them by tearing our own walls down, can't we? If we tear our wall down, what do you think maybe other people do. They see our walls come down. It's possible other walls will come down with it. Generally works that way. Kind of like dominoes, right? It's going to keep working. The question is, will you build bridges? Even though I understand it probably, this, this must've been a scary thing for Peter. Will you build bridges? Even though it might be a little scary, a little uncomfortable, uh, maybe a lot uncomfortable, maybe incredibly awkward, very unknown. Maybe you're not sure if you even want to be on the other side of that bridge. But will you begin to build it anyway? To bridge those barriers that exist. My hope and prayer is that we do. And that this community and all the communities that are represented here, I see a lot of different faces from a lot of different communities. I know that we've got a lot here, not just one key. If we could go to our communities and we can begin to build bridges, not laugh at the jokes that are typical about certain areas of our community, instead of laughing, saying, you know, I met somebody over there. Here's what I'd usually do. I'll say, I, I figure out somebody that's in that neighborhood, and I say, you know what, but I've just met somebody like that, and I, and I pick out an attribute, and this usually is able, I'm able to do this, pick out an attribute that directly goes against whatever joke they just said. They don't usually like me as much at that point. I've done that before, though. And, I'll, and, and I don't throw it in their face. I just say, hey, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, it's funny. But, um, you know, I met this person, and you know what I found out? They are like this. They do this, and they do And then they go, and it takes the laughter away, but it's real. Are we willing to bridge those gaps? 
in all of our communities, in all of our situations. I pray that we are. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for building the bridge. I thank you, God, for um, sending Jesus to bridge the gap over traditional barriers, over cultural barriers, over personal barriers. And I pray that you would just help, um, help everyone in this room, everyone that's a part of Northridge, I pray that you would help us to tear walls down that the things that we see on the news would not be us. That, that when we see those things on the news, that we would make a fresh and new commitment. Maybe, maybe God, when we see things on the news, would you help us to do something about it? Maybe it's not that particular situation that we see on the news, but, but may it be a spark. May it be a reminder that there's hatred in this world, that there are walls that have been built up between groups of people, between one individual and another, and they're fighting over things. And God, may you help us. When we see these things happen, when we see two friends fighting, when we see family members in conflict, when we see two organizations squabbling over scraps or whatever it is, God, may you remind us that we are in this to build bridges, that we can help bring peace to the situation, that that we can reconcile, that, that we can bring greater unity, better unity to our communities, to our families, to, to our friends, to our situations. God, may you help us to bring unity around you, Christ, uh, around your love for us. Help us not to let barriers get in the way. I pray that we tear down walls. And God, they're not physical walls, so help us to know how to find those walls and how to tear those walls down. Help us just guide us, direct us to do that. I pray that you would just destroy barriers in us and build bridges just like you did with Peter and Cornelius. It's amazing. Thank you for doing that, God. Now help us to be open to doing that in our lives. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.